I don't know how the Pete and Pete theme goes. That was? I think that's sort of how it goes, I isn't it? S- I saw like two episodes of Pete and Pete. I don't remember anything. About- I remember I really liked it, but I don't remember anything about it now. Danny Tamborelli. It had a 90s-ass theme song. Speaking of the 90s, uh, this is a discussion Lauren and I had the other day. Is there a more 90s movie than Batman Forever? Mm. Like, here's what it's got going for it. Number one, Val Kilmer in a starring role. Right. Then you got Jim Carrey. You got Tommy Lee Jones. You got uh, the soundtrack. You got Seal. And, uh, like, there's like the a, Smashing you, Pumpkins is them, uh, or is that Batman and Robin? I don't know. You got Kiss from a Rose is on that right. one, and then like U two does the other end credit song, and then okay. like it must be Batman and Robin I has. Want to say like the Offspring are on the soundtrack too? I wouldn't like, be surprised. I'll, I'll do the rundown in a second. I was looking up the Pete and Pete theme first because there's two Smashing Pumpkins songs, and one's called like. The beginning of the end is the beginning, and then there's another one called The End of the Beginning is the End. And one of those was the credit song for, I thought it was Batman Forever, but it might be Batman and Robin now that I think about it. Who is this? It's not loud enough for me to hear. I don't know, it's the Pete and Pete theme. This meant it was a 90s-ass sounding... Uh, Remember at the wrestling show when the dude came out to the Drake and Josh theme? Yeah, I think that was supposed to make him a heel, but not, no. he was instantly yeah, over with me. It'd be so simple that... Do you really not know the words to the Drake and Josh theme? I guess not. I never thought it could be so simple, but I found a way, found a way. This is all... If you open up your mind, see what's inside. This is all going in the episode, by the way, because hi. <laughs> Wait, I found the track listing of all the... Yeah, okay, so here's the Batman Forever. Here's what we got. We got U2 first, uh, then somebody named PJ Harvey. I don't know who that is. Then Brandy, very 90s Brandy. True. Seal. Uh, some people I don't know. Someone that I think they tried to trick us on. This guy's name is Eddie Redder. <laughs> Not, Not Eddie Redder. No. Uh, then The Offspring, uh, Method Man. Yeah. Also, Coolio's in that movie. Uh, he's, he's in Batman and Robin, uh, isn't he? Thought he was in, no, he's in that one, because when Dick takes the Batmobile... Dick is a funny name. <laughs> yeah, but Dick takes the Batmobile. He takes it in that one. Yeah, yeah and uh, he's like, so I left my suit at home, you know? Like, Chris O'Donnell's in it, also very 90s. He's still on USA. Characters yeah. welcome. The, the only other 90s thing that's in Batman and... I mean, Batman and Robin, you get, you know... Schwarzenegger and Clooney and like so those are pretty 90s Alicia Silverstone is very 90s but I don't know that the soundtrack screams 90s as much as the uh, Batman Forever so there you go Batman Forever most 90s movie were you at our grandparents house when we were watching whatever that uh, cooking show in Italy channel well it was on the cooking channel not the food network so this is like food network B team I guess not, no. Okay, well, there was some, like, lady who's a chef now, but I guess used to be an actress, has a cooking show on the Mm B-team, where she married some Italian model, and they cook stuff, and it was nasty, and we watched it up at our grandparents' house, but, like, my mom was saying, like, yeah, she, our mom was saying, (laughs) she's like, yeah, she used to be an actress, so I spent the rest of time Googling her, and I didn't know who she was, but she was one of the 
of Two Faces hoochies in uh, Batman. So not Drew Barrymore, but no, the, other the other one. one. <laughs> okay, yeah. the other she was one. Spice. Yeah, I think was yeah, sugar, right, and spice, sugar and right? spice. Yeah. What was the other one's name? You... Sugar. Nope. <laughs> what was the actress's name? There's Drew Barrymore and this one who's on the Cooking Channel. I don't remember what her name was okay. now. <sighs> Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. We'll we... get to the thing in a second. <laughs> Are we really leaving this in? Uh, maybe some of it. Uh, Batman Forever. I might like Batman Forever uh, more the, the most of all of the night. All the uh... agreed. I mean, because I, I, I like want all of them. I want Batman to be goofy. Serious Batman is great. I don't mind dark. Like I really like Batman Returns. I know you're not crazy about it, but I like it a lot. I watched way more goofy Batman than I... Debbie Mazar is her name. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched way more goofy Batman growing up because you know, the 60s Batman. 60s Batman yeah. I even had there True. Was some tape we had of like a, I think even older than that animated Batman show. Might have been sixties. I don't know, but it was also yeah, like so, that's stupid the one puns. That's got, and... uh, yeah, but that's the one that's got Casey Kasem, Robin, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I like. So Batman Forever is the perfect balance of like neon colors and terrible puns and hokey ass villains. <laughs> right, and and Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey trying to out overact each other the whole movie. Right. It's like each one is just like hold my beer in between scenes. Like <laughs> contrast that with like Jack Nicholson's great and everything, but I didn't watch that '89 Batman nearly as much as I watched Batman Forever. '89 Batman is really good too, though. I mean, and I like Batman Returns. Why don't you? You don't like it, but why? No. It's got like a. First of all, there's too much stuff going on at once. There's a lot. Like Christopher Walken, it, it really isn't necessary in the movie, but has this weird like. I'm going to steal all the energy from Gotham subplot going on that just gets dropped. And I don't know. A lot of it's just gross and unpleasant to watch. And I like it. Batman yeah. and Robin is is bad. Yes. I mean, it's still got some fun things in it. Like, it's got some, you know, jokes. And it's got, you know, Venturas in it. Uh, for very, very briefly. Well, but you can't exist outside the cold beam. <laughs> That's not a good Ventura. No, it wasn't. Uh, Diamond Enhanced Lasers is great, too, because mm-hmm. you just say it and, like, yeah, he uses That's, Diamond okay. Enhanced Lasers. That's science. <laughs> what? That's how you power a suit of gold. <laughs> you gotta enhance those lasers with diamonds. Make sure we don't get anything that could be cheap to run this suit. Ugh. But then he wouldn't be a supervillain, I guess, if he was, you know, if he was running off, like, solar energy, like... Although, I don't know how you'd make a right. gold suit out of solar. It would be lunar energy. That's how it works. He's powered by the There's moon. There's no such thing as lunar energy. There's no such thing as diamond-enhanced lasers. Fair enough. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's, it's a podcast. This is another bonus episode, and probably an off the walls one because we're talking about Pete's fucking dragon. How you guys like that movie? Good answer. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this came out in 1977. I'm Jake. <laughs> I'm Dustin. I was waiting to be brought into the I fold forgot a here. Part. Uh, we're the dudes that watch Disney. That was the thing we I said are. for a little while. This this episode promises to go uh, 
pretty off the rails because it is the first time we've recorded recorded one this late in the evening. Oh yeah, so, uh, we're up past knows? our bedtimes. We it's nine thirty. Yeah, <laughs> it is ten now. I'm pretty sure. Well, we spent a long time trying to get these microphones working. Mine worked uh, right away. 1977. We're jumping in here because this comes out the same year as our as our current uh, film we're on in the timeline. Star Wars. No. Also Star Wars. <laughs> I don't, does it? I think it. I think that's 77. Okay then. Um, but we made it up to many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But also, you know, Disney's releasing another partially animated uh, film here, which Disney's done that for the past couple decades, and we hadn't really covered any of them yet. Uh, most notably. Uh, Mary Poppins has a pretty big animated sequence in it. Bed knobs and bed knobs and broomsticks, which I know nothing about. So maybe we should have done that too. And uh, uh, there's probably other examples. But that's all I can think of. <laughs> we talked about the waddle birds on here before. We did, and we've uh, even in some of the very early ones, our earliest that's bonus episodes, right. we saw a mixture of live action and animation. Mm, uh, three caballeros, we had that shit. Yeah, I want to say Saludos Amigos has it too don't remember which one's which exactly but you know couldn't tell which one has pervy donald duck both okay (laughs) anything with donald duck in it well no there's the one thing where he's just uh with the llamas yeah and the bridge okay i think that was saludos okay we we normally turn the air off when we do this is this the thing you're concerned about or yeah fuck it it's all the way back there yeah right that's why we have the mics turned down way low oh well okay so we're right up in your in your ear holes. How you doing? It's dudes after dudes watch Disney after dark. Yeah. Pete's dragon. <laughs> right. Um, so this is based on a short story of the same name and uh, directed by a man named Don Chaffee, who I don't I don't know much about him, but I looked at his other credits. Apparently, he directed Jason and the Argonauts. Um, have you ever seen that? No. Well, uh, okay. So you know. All the amazing claymation effects from Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. yeah, pioneered in Jason and the Argonauts oh, wow. by uh, uh, Ray uh, Harry Harryhausen is his name. All that classic effects, which seems like a weird jump to come from, you know, Greek action film to this goofy musical <laughs> that we're about to get into. But you had never seen this film before last night, right? No, I knew nothing about this movie going into it. Like, the list of things I knew going into the movie was there's probably a character named Pete, (laughs) and he probably has a dragon. And Mm -hmm. from the cover art on Amazon Prime, the dragon is a green cartoon. Uh, So that's that's what I knew going into the, the movie. Didn't right. read the little plot synopsis. Didn't you know? I, Pete's got a dragon. I got it from the I title. Tried to not tell you anything about it either because I had seen it once before in the past and uh, was not blown away by it. Well, you can uh, as we go through this. Uh, as I read through the notes that I wrote last night, had a lot of excitement early on in the notes. A lot of like, "What's happening here? I think I got this figured out. I think mm. I know what's happening." And then like, just oh, see, that's it. see the as we slowly taper off in level of interest. And I'll tell you about some things that confuse me along the way as we as we get to them. But uh, mm. yeah, I knew nothing going into this. I was totally had you know. No opinions going into it, totally free of bias, just ready to learn about Pete and his dragon. Were you expecting a musical? Uh, I mean, it's Disney, and it's uh, cartoons, and so right. I figured there would be some singing. I was not expecting as much mm. music as was in this, and as a huge number of songs in this movie. Right, um, and... Uh, we weren't really doing so many bonus episodes back when uh, Mary Poppins would have come out in our timeline, but 
I think it's probably good that we avoided that because I feel like we would have just upset people by being bored with that film as well. Yeah, never seen it. It's the same same number of musical numbers as this. But if they're better songs, that might be different. Because yeah. like, we had a lot of songs here which might make you think, hey, this is cool. Like, right. I like songs. But none of these songs are really memorable. Or like, you're not going to walk away humming any of these songs, right. I don't think. At best, I would call them hit and miss. <laughs> and I'd say there's more misses than there are hits. Oh, definitely. But we have a decent... Uh, well, no, I don't know about decent. We have some <laughs> names in this movie. Uh, right. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Hel- Helen Reddy uh, was a, a singer. Is she the mom? Uh, Norm- she's Nora, not I'm pretty Nora. sure. She's yeah. not a mom. She doesn't have any kids. Right. <laughs> but she plays a motherly figure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so uh, as we open up here, uh, you know, we sort of go through the credits here. The credits are like matte paintings that you see right at the beginning. Uh really reminded me of the film we're going to be getting to soon, The Rescuers. Uh, kind of opens with the same like sad number as we do the credits and show just yeah, the like... The music's a little mopey, but the pictures themselves, or the paintings themselves, look cool. Mm-hmm. The graphics aren't all that spectacular, and the credits go on for a while, which is a theme in this movie. Like <laughs> A lot of things The runtime on of this movie, over two hours. Right. And it feels like it's over four. Mm. It's very, yeah. very slow at times. I, like, took a couple phone calls during the movie, too. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, my God. Like, it took me, like, three hours. Even and... from the start, I thought of things that I might want to talk to Jake about instead of this movie. So uh, from right the first the thing I wrote down uh, was Helen Reddy. Uh, she had a big hit in the 70s called I Am Woman. Uh, roar? Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. Okay. So I know that phrase from being in everything else, but I don't... <laughs> okay, we're playing music already. Very 70s production on this. This really isn't the empowering voice I was expecting. Very 70s ass sound incredibly song. yeah okay yeah like flutes in the background and then horns and stuff she uh sound about as enthusiastic in that song as she does in this film <laughs> that's true uh mickey rooney the only mickey rooney stories i have are from like dana carvey talking about him because apparently they did this show together oh, when yeah. dana was just starting out and like the cast of the show was like mickey rooney dana carvey and nathan lane All and right. uh so apparently mickey thought that Dana was gay and would talk to Nathan about be careful around Dana. I'm pretty sure he's gay or whatever. Like when Nathan, when is Nathan is actually gay. Right. And so Mickey never figured it out and always <laughs> was like talking to Nathan about oh, look out for that queer over there. Like I definitely had it backwards between the two of them. So it is pretty, I think the only Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney thing I'm familiar with is what is it? Breakfast to Tiffany's where he's like, 
an Asian face <laughs> and like uh, I mean, buck maybe teeth. And... There's one other Mickey Rooney thing that you're familiar with, and that is Santa Claus is coming to town because he's oh, yeah. the voice of Santa. Oh really? Which you should have recognized because he sounds a lot like it throughout most of this movie. Um, I'll call you Topper. Yeah, okay, I can see that now. <laughs> um, we we open up here uh, in a very obvious set of a forest. Uh, just outside of a town called Passamaquoddy, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is a real place, apparently, uh, in Maine. Found that out on the internet. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, we got floating kid right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Kid floating on strings. Which uh, as I guess we're meant to assume is the dragon, which I was a little surprised by. Obviously, I had no way of knowing the dragon was going to be invisible. Didn't understand why he would be invisible since like they show him on the cover cover art, so this wasn't like a like Jaws right. uh, deal where we're like going to reveal what he looks like later on in the movie. No, I think it's a similar Jaws issue where it's like, we struggled with the the technology, and that's why you don't get to see it well, as much. And I learned at the end of the movie what I sort of had pieced together from watching it was that the original idea was that he wouldn't show up at all in the movie, and he would be invisible, oh, which really? I think would have been way cooler. Mm. Then the compromise was, well, maybe he'll just be revealed at the very end of the movie. And then I thought, because I kind of thought that's what we were going for when he was invisible. Like, no one else can see him, but Pete can see him, and in the end, they'll all see him or something. Interesting. Which would work. Uh, but we don't do any of that, because instead, like, he's just, like, in the next scene, like, ah, there he is. That's what right. he looks like. Well, I'd say one of the strongest points of this film, which there's not much, is uh, Elliot himself is generally pretty adorable. And so, yeah. like, he, with the scenes he are he is in are, like pretty entertaining and the ones without him not so much so i don't know if the keeping him invisible throughout thing would have really but i think that might have made him more adorable and then like in a sort of sort of like you know in hook when like at first uh robin williams character doesn't see the food that they're eating or whatever and like he has to learn to believe and then he can see it all right i feel like it could have been like that where like pete can see the dragon and no one else can and no one else believes that he's there or whatever and we have to all believe is where i th- assumed we were going with this on some pure like disney magic shit that we did not do yeah we did the least magical thing and it's <laughs> like hey you'll just be there right because we start yeah. out we're floating on strings and he's you know a good portion of the scenes in this film are this kid like it's a kid who can't really act and he's interacting with a character who doesn't talk and also is often invisible. So it's literally just him explaining what's going on to right. the audience. Which is something, if you're going to do that, you need uh, an actor who's very good yeah. uh, to make you believe that whatever you're going to now CGI and then rotoscope. Yeah. And, uh, this this 10-year-old here I don't think is really capable of He's not quite pulling it off. He's uh, also not helped by our, our whisper voiceover sounds in this opening scene. Well, I kind of like, liked that because it sounded kind of creepy. And like I wasn't really aware of what the tone of this movie yeah. was going to be, which we didn't follow up on. But right. I thought, ooh, this is kind of scary. And like they're getting closer. It's a weird way to like start a movie. Like That's kind yeah. of interesting. And then <laughs> from there. But still. But then immediately like Dancing Hillbilly folk right. arrive. So I wrote, they're getting closer. Then what the hell kind of deliverance people are chasing him? Uh-huh. That Uber- would be his family goober ass song pleading him to come back the the gogans or whatever their names are yeah we don't learn their names at this point i don't think but do we learn their names at this point well i don't know at some point much later in the movie i wrote it down yeah but that doesn't mean anything i never wrote down the the uh the is he a doctor yeah dr terminus i just called him honest john the whole way through pretty Uh, good um we'll, we'll get to him uh so yeah we get our opening number here really setting up 
this is just going to be a really goofy musical because these are some like fucking country time players here. We got to play these hillbillies yeah. and like they get knocked in the mud by a big invisible thing. And then it's very the, slapstick. Yeah. And slapstick sound effects, too, which I'm sure I could immediately Google and play right now. <laughs> right. And the mud fight uh, just reminded me of a much better movie mud fight scene. Uh, with McClintock. McClintock. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it must be good because it's immediately identifiable well, when you, you said go. mud fight. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, there's also a mud fight in Stripes, but it's a little different, hmm. uh, where they're like in a bar or whatever, and it's like wrestle these mud wrestling girls or whatever, and it's like John Candy getting beat up by three women and stuff. That's a good, good I've never, time. I've never seen Stripes. Oh, it's funny. John Candy and uh, Bill Murray, like it's a good time. What's his name? The ghost, the other Ghostbusters guy, the one who died recently. The black guy? No, the. The one who wrote him, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. He died? Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, what did I pick this up for? There we go. You got me. I was looking up what year McClintock came out. Oh, before this. Okay. I think John Wayne might have been dead by this point. <laughs> 1963, yeah, so well before this. Since this is seventy-seven, so they sing a song pleading him I, to come back. We learn that they have they, paid for him. Yeah, fifty dollars. They bought this orphan boy for that. See, I wrote down fifty cents, and I don't know if I just heard him wrong. But no, they definitely says, say fifty later in the movie. Yeah. Fifty dollars. No, she so. says something about fifty dollars for the boy and fifty cents for something uh, else. Legal fees. That yeah. was it. And they they sing this song about how they're gonna kill him, basically. Because I don't know, they want to like, roast him, up him and, gently so the flames won't hurt. Yeah, there you go. That was one of the things I wrote down. But I guess he does all the work for them on their farm somewhere, and that's what they need him right. for. So from seeing this, I assume they're going to be the main villains in the movie. Guess and again. So I wrote right after that, gee, these villains are losing their heat pretty quickly as we just make them look like total tools, and then they disappear for the next right. hour because I, I watched this movie like four-ish years ago, maybe, and like... I literally have a note here that says, like, I don't recall this family being much of a factor. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure they just appear, then get their butts kicked and disappear. Um, but the kid goes to sleep with his invisible friend, and then in the morning we do actually get to see the dragon uh, named Elliot. And like I mentioned earlier, like, he is pretty adorable. Like, it's a lot of him making faces at the camera and a lot of him doing, like, he doesn't really speak. He just kind of makes, like, Yeah, sort of like if you combine Chewbacca and BB-8, like, these are kinds of the sounds that are coming out of him. Yeah, combined with, like, the, what are the tree dudes from Mario Sunshine that you play as in that Mario baseball? And they go, like, Yeah, it's a lot like that. Yeah. So you combine all those things. You put them in a blender, then you get uh, Elliot. Mm-hmm. And and this is a sad thing on my part, but uh, at least fifty percent of the times in my notes when I tried to refer to the dragon, I called, called him it. Pete. Yes. Yeah. Even though it's Pete's dragon, I just kept making. There's one sentence where it was like, "Pete gives Pete this." <laughs> so I get totally. Well, Pete gives Pete some apples here. Yeah. And, uh, and then he cooks one with his flame, and. I didn't think the apple looked like it changed in any way, and the kid didn't really act like, oh, this is hot now when he tries to eat it, so I don't know. So the the song that they sing here was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, where, like, uh, this was kind of a cute song. The first two songs I, I enjoyed. Uh, this one... Gotta be honest, I don't remember this one. Pete sings, and then, like, every now and then he'll pause, and Elliot will sing something and, like, finish the line that way. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of... 
two different songs. One of them, who put the bump and the bump, a bump, a bump, and like in the middle of that song, he's like, "Oh my darling, <laughs> Ramalama Ding Dong forever," and like that kind of stuff. Uh, Why were these songs similar? <laughs> uh, just because they're saying nonsense things and pretending yeah, okay. like that's. And then the other one, uh, which you're, you're not going to know this song, but you should. Uh, uh, and if you don't, I'm going to fix that now. Is a George Jones song called "Her Name Is." What? Uh, and well, you'll see as we listen. But the plot of the song is he's in love with this woman who's married, and he can't say her name. Uh, hey. So. <clears throat> this is a mustard ad. <laughs> this doesn't sound like George Jones. <laughs> it's a mustard ad. Give it a second. George Jones and a drum machine. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait for it. How late in George Jones's career was this? guest starring Peter Frampton. I mean, from the... Sonically, I would assume from the 70s, but I don't know. I like this next line, though. (laughs) Anyway. Good lord. That's what that song reminded me of. It's... Well, the only note I had was about Elliot's singing voice, which I thought sounded like Alfalfa in Little Rascals. Oh, yeah. And he sings, you're everything I hoped for. <laughs> Are you That's, already on page two of your yeah, notes? Like, I took a damn. lot of notes, apparently. Okay. Uh, the main question we reach at this point is, is Elliot adorable enough to carry this film? Because we have set the scene, and we're about to have Elliot disappear for a good chunk of it. We Pete even has a conversation with him, telling Elliot to stay invisible as they go into town, because we don't have the fucking budget for him to be here the whole time. <laughs> From an evolutionary standpoint, like, why would a dragon who could fly and breathe fire and do all these dragon-ass need things to be invisible? need to also be able to turn invisible? Like, It seems like he's the apex predator. Like, Jesus. Like, okay, he can camouflage. He's like the... Oh shit! What's it called? I just watched this movie too. He's like the Indominus Rex from the Jurassic World. Like, what if we just gave <laughs> him also all the had powers? At a cloaking device. Well, right. Maybe that's what's happening in Jurassic World Two or whatever it's called, Fallen Kingdom. I'm not in a hurry to see yeah, that. It's not. I not well reviewed thus far. The way I see it is that is a franchise that consists of one good movie. <laughs> I liked Jurassic World. Um, I know you didn't, but I, I liked it. It was a little stupid. <laughs> With the let's weaponize raptors for the Which army. Which apparently is the whole plot of this next one, is oh, the goody. contractors and the main villains. Uh, I mean, it still had some moments uh, that were pretty cool. Chris Pratt is enjoyable. Enjoyable, but like, why is he like, I don't know, head nature Steve Irwin dude? Yeah, that I don't know. Chris Pat Chris Pratt is a badass is questionable. Uh what else? Who else? Uh 
Nick Miller's in that movie <laughs> for no reason. Right. I don't know. He was not exactly a starring role. No, but he was funny in the few scenes that he was in. Anyway, we're way off track, so he can turn himself invisible mm. uh, for reasons, mostly budgetary reasons. So we're going into town, past Aquati. And uh, this is where havoc ensues. Uh, yeah, he starts scaring animals and breaking fences. Mm-hmm. Walking through wet cement, which then later the dumbass cement guy is like, this kid walked through my cement with his big feet. <laughs> it's like clearly a dragon hoof print. Also, this is some never drying cement because it's still wet <laughs> days later. When right. Anyway, we get a brief appearance of the mayor of this town, one Thurston Howell Third. Is that who that is? That is who oh, that nice. is. Mm-hmm. Love you. Yep. You know who else? That guy is Mr. Magoo. In what? Oh, the voice of, the Mr. Voice of, <laughs> of Mr. Magoo they fame. Mr. Magoo a bunch of times. Okay, so the I, original right. Mr. Magoo. That's true, isn't it? And yes. That, that fucking Christmas Carol that's on that, uh, in that box set of Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. That's my the extent of my Mr. Magoo knowledge. <clears throat> so yeah. even though he's invisible uh pete still talks to him the whole time in front of other people which is just like why are we bothering with this mm-hmm. what good is it doing you to be invisible right now even if you which is why i thought it would make sense to do the like only those who are pure of heart can see me or whatever right. but like we're not doing that you're just hey he's invisible yeah, now it's Don't just worry literally about it. you can turn it on and off uh, and he turns it off to go into town but still fucks with everything uh we meet this bitchy teacher lady. Oh, yeah, she is bad. Who, like, sees Elliot and is immediately like, why aren't you in my class or whatever? And Elliot is trying to talk to her, and this is when Pete, who is... I've been getting all of these names backwards. <laughs> <laughs> if she wants Pete in the class, Elliot is the dragon. Right. Elliot is a perv here and, like, pulls her skirt off of her while she's... uh admonishing pete and Pete's i the assume one that... that's why he wants to be invisible is he's just trying to perv out all the time it could like, be he's just like all right you go to school i'll hang out in the girl's bathroom or something like just <laughs> thinks he can just giggle his way through it i guess make those weird noises <laughs> the whole time like a lego video game character exactly well, back when lego video games were great and they didn't have voice actors so a bunch of stuff goes down and pete gets in trouble and then we got to have like a Elliot, what are you doing conversation? And then we get like sad, pouty Elliot face. And then at this point, a town drunk comes out, uh, stumbles out into the way. And Mickey gets, Rooney. Mickey mm-hmm. Rooney. And gets a look at Elliot and I'll goes, call you Topper. <laughs> oh, you look terrible, <laughs> is what he says to Elliot. Yeah. And then he goes over to Pete and says, your friends turn green. And then it's really difficult to write out uh, Elliot's dialogue here. Uh, yes. But I did my best because he has a really sassy kind of voice. Like, I turn, like, looking at himself, like, I turn green. And then it's like, and then, like, doing, like, snappy fingers. I don't know. I wrote, ma'am, sassy. So yeah. I thought I would remember how that sounded. <laughs> So at first, uh, Maurice, and perhaps because he's, or not Maurice, I call him Maurice, and you'll see why in a second. Uh, at first, Mickey Rooney's character seems cool with it being a dragon, and then gets kind of scared. When he gets scared, he goes back into the bar uh, to and tell everyone is, else about it, and no one believes him. Crazy old Maurice. Right, from Beauty and the Beast. Right. And then he has a song, which I thought was probably the most fun song of the of the film, with the, a dragon, a dragon, I thought I saw a dragon. That was good. And it, at this point, it felt kind of like we were in like a '60s Batman fight. Like we were just stumbling around in the bar, and shit was going around, and like shit was going wild. And I was uh, 
kind of wanted to see like an edit of this with just like the Batman, like wham, ziff, bop, like going across the screen. <laughs> In Batman the movie, the the villains hang out above a bar and uh, I guess at one point in the movie after they've been discovered, Batman and Robin are like walking down the stairs of the bar or whatever and Robin is talking about like how do these people, you know, alcohol must be some awful thing, like to not be able to trust your own eyes or whatever and like, but that's uh, what's it's happening very here. fitting with uh, Mickey. With Rudy, Mickey, yeah. no one believes him uh, even though he did see a dragon. Right. And, uh, Mickey Rooney's character confuses me throughout this movie. In where, general, like, he sort of goes back and forth to like it's like he has to clock in being a drunk in the morning. <laughs> like he too. wakes up and is nice and happy and getting along, and then he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, time to go to the bar." And right, he's and just he goes back and forth from down. like he believes in he wants the kid to live. We're jumping way ahead, but wants right. the kid to That's live fine. with him in the in the lighthouse. And, like, he's really friendly to Pete, but then is also trying to get to Elliot the whole time. And then, mm-hmm. like, just, it's, conf- his character is confusing. Right. Um, I think several characters are confusing in this film. There's a lot uh, thus far in the movie, and at this point we're only, you know, 15, 20 minutes into the movie. A lot of just staring into the camera, uh, which yeah. I get Pete has to do because he's supposed to be talking to Elliot or whatever. And But, uh but Maurice does it as he's singing in the bar a lot. It happens later on in the movie too. Like just a lot of staring at the camera. Right. I don't really get what we're going for with that. I don't know if it's just like we're aiming for a young audience with this and we really just want, you know, to make sure kids understand every scene. I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe. I don't know if we're dancing between like hokey and serious, uh, but we get a big bar room brawl. And then also the daughter of this, uh, drunk man is introduced here would literally like as the song crescendos like she leans in through the door knocks him over and goes has anyone seen my dad and that's how we introduce her whatever her real name is nora nora is her character's name you said her real name helen ready yeah there you go yeah and i called her bell for a while to continue the maurice thing but yeah nora it turns out is her name she joins in on this song and just kind of gets assaulted by men in this bar for a little while yeah ends up dancing on top of a barrel yeah well yeah all that happens in uh in high heels no less which i thought was pretty impressive and then we go back to their home, which is a lighthouse. Apparently, we built a fucking lighthouse for yeah, this movie. Yeah, and like made it super detailed and uh, wanted to move it to Disney World once it was over, but apparently it was in no condition to be moved, but mm. that's a thing. I also read that like they had to be like really careful and go through a lot of legality about when they could have the lights going and stuff because it would actually fuck with real ships, but... Uh, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So they go back to the lighthouse, and then she goes outside from the lighthouse. I wrote down to sing, because why not? They sing all the other time in this movie. But this is the one time nobody sings. She right. goes outside to stare as uh, off in the distance she sees. Sees Pete, Pete walking alone yeah. on the beach. And uh, he's fighting with Elliot now. Elliot's trying to get him to play tic-tac-toe with him, which he like draws on his stomach or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which, this is a minor <laughs> note, but like... Pete, you know, Elliot, like, draws a circle or whatever. Pete doesn't join in, so Elliot just keeps drawing circles. <laughs> like, is there a time limit on tic-tac-toe? Yeah, or, you can go multiple no, Pete, times if your partner doesn't, doesn't... I'm pretty sure Pete goes at the end, but just draws another circle. So um, he wins, so right? some sort of adaptive difficulty Pete's trying to... Or uh, Elliot's trying to help him win, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Like, 
I wish adaptive difficulty was a thing in other things other than Legos. Like, I wish yeah. everything just got easier if you sucked at it long enough. Um, so Nora finds him and says, hey, come live in my lighthouse, poor child in the in the beach alone. And uh, Elliot gets left down in the cave, and we sort of move away from him for a little bit. And then this nosy-ass kid immediately wants to know why Nora's not married. And... Uh, then we introduce a subplot about she has a shipwrecked lover that, like, really could have gotten the axe at any point during the making of this film. Do we have a little more details on what happened here? Because I wrote, uh, she invites him over upon learning he's got nowhere to go. Elliot stays behind. Child abuse. <laughs> a little back to school specially. Uh, they talk about... The Gogans like beating him up and okay, shit. I so think that's what it is. Probably <laughs> based <laughs> on your notes. Child abuse. Anyway, moving on. Boring duet is what I wrote uh, <laughs> about togetherness and companionship. Yep. But then, well, here comes the snake oil salesman. Nora's married to the lighthouse. You're right. She's got a lover uh, named Paul. But I was confused by the way Pete keeps saying it because it sounds like he's saying Paul. And Paw. so, because there was another point where I wrote, Elliot went off to look for Pete's dad. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, was his dad? missing now i'm confused he's an orphan yeah he's missing he's looking for my paw but he wasn't he was looking for paul i just can't understand the kid exactly anyway so right snake oil salesman comes in dr terminus was his name which you never learned no i didn't honest john his friend was named hoagie nope didn't didn't certainly i found that on wikipedia like the sandwich (laughs) yeah well not i don't think it was spelled the same but uh, he's blowing through town on a, a wagon that has a sail that's pulling it, which I'm wondering if that's, like, a possibility. Like, has Mythbusters ever been on that shit? There's another thing that happened before they come to town that you left out. Oh? Where, m- while they're in the lighthouse, Maurice asks him, because uh, he, he tells, they mention Nora, somehow, it Maurice figures out that Elliot is, is with Pete or whatever, Uh puts together that that's that he's seen this kid before from the inter- interaction they had in town before right and he says we need to get elliot and we need to go back down to the saloon and tell everybody else There's you know dragon. the dragon's real and you know blah 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 and pete's cool with this plan and and maurice wants to do it but nora wet blankets the shit out of their plan and like you can't do that but i don't know why she did that because i don't remember now and you apparently don't remember this whole scene <laughs> happening there's so. several times in this movie where, where i went wait does nora not know this dragon is real because yeah. it takes her a long time to yeah, figure she, it out she doesn't believe it. she's very friendly and she wants mm-hmm. to help pete but she's very much like oh it's just his imagination yeah, there's a part later where she gets destroyed she's uh t- she's talking to her dad to maurice about uh, you know, I just really think it's great that you've been, you know, pretending for Pete's sake and pretending this dragon is real or whatever. You've just been really nice doing that. Right. With, uh, I don't know. But then Snake Oil Salesman comes, comes to, to town. town. Breaks even more stuff than... Right. Uh, the mayor's... Did. It's the same shit happens to them. He got eggs in his face earlier. This time the steps get pulled away when he's trying to step out onto the... Yeah, that's what happens. So Honest John comes to town and sings a flim flam song. Right. This guy's just like a total archetype. Like, even if you don't know him, you know what his character's all about. And and his biggest sin to the townsfolk is he can't get the name of the town right. right. So he sings a song like, oh, pass him a whaty, pass him a bloody, and I don't remember how it goes. That sounded very Italian, <laughs> what I just did. Uh, but uh, he, he's got all his... All his uh, 
products here he's trying to sell to the the townsfolk who hate him from coming to town before um and so he brings up like uh, the mark onto stage to be like oh i'm blind i can't see and then he you know feeds her the thing and she's like oh i i couldn't hear now i can hear again i hear children giggling and it shows a kid in the front row that sticks his tongue out and then she immediately looks at the kid and sticks her tongue back out at the kid which i thought was pretty funny so yeah this whole scene is just him sort of uh getting back in the good books of the town by swindling them some more uh this character played by an actor named jim dale uh not you know not overly famous not too well known but i think our audience might know him uh from a different line of work he's actually been in the audiobook game since then and did the audiobooks for the harry potter series so anybody out there who's listened to those that's this guy and uh if you haven't that's like the best audiobook to start with because like everyone fucking's read that already and also like it's he's really good at it he gives everybody a different voice and he like i've listened to those i don't know how many fucking times because they're super entertaining i've never listened to an audiobook before well so, like uh, i said that would be a great one to start with any so. of those i'm just not sure that i could stay focused focused on what's happening uh, certainly couldn't do it in the car. There's no way I would pay enough attention there. Oh, it's, that's the best time when, like, you're not doing anything else. You're just looking at the road. Like, a, maybe not, like, a ten-minute drive to the store or something. Well, but sure. You're on a road trip or something like that. Hmm. Doing laundry, doing the dishes. I mean, there are those Easter times where I normally turn on podcasts now, like if I'm doing the dishes or laundry, like you said. Now, I struggle a bit sometimes with books that I haven't read in the past. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I feel like I might zone out. But, but I don't anyway, know. that's him. So that uh, that scene happens, he gets the people back and back on his side, and I feel like he—you call him Honest John. I feel like he's a very entertaining character. But so is Honest John, right? But I was gonna say, as much as you enjoy a uh, bowler hat guy, I feel like this was pretty much him come to life with the same fucking Waluigi mustache and True. <laughs> like giant top hat and all that shit. So. I don't think he's as entertaining as Bowler Hat guy. He doesn't enter a room by going wah or whatever. So right. he's got that against him. So uh, the next scene is when Nora thinks Maurice has just been playing along and she's proud of him for doing so. So I was right. We hadn't got to that yet. No, what <laughs> I said was ago. when he wanted to take the dragon to the saloon uh, okay. and she wet blankets it and you acted like that wasn't a thing. Mm. But it must be a thing because I wrote it down. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, now it's sh- time for a sad lady song. <laughs> but before, yeah, because... He says, you know, I'm not playing along. There really is a dragon. And then he calls her on her total hypocrisy of still believing that Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul. is coming back uh, when he's clearly not and you need to move on or whatever. And, you know, just it might be unrealistic for me to believe that this dragon is real, but it's definitely unrealistic for you to think that he's coming back. Mm-hmm. And that makes her all mopey, understandably. Right. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Right. No, Paul's missing. <laughs> But now we have to sing kid died. Candle on the Water, <laughs> which is a boring as hell song, but was nominated for an Oscar, so it's got Ooh, that going for boy. it. Must have been a light year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else was nominated for an Oscar that year musically, but... Uh, you No, I've read what was what won, and I can't remember. Did you start to say Yukio? You light up my life, is oh, what I was going to say. Yeah. But I don't know if that's really right. I could be wrong. That is a song. Hmm. I didn't know it was in a movie, but it is a song. I saw it on Wikipedia, but I might be remembering the wrong thing. I'll give it a quick. <laughs> we cut back to uh, 
Elliot again at this point. He's got a fire going and he's warming his butt. And then the kid shows up in a dapper new suit. And uh, the the point of this scene is like, oh, okay, I'm going to live with these people now. Uh, they're going to get me into school. I'm excited about what's going on. Hey, by the way, here's a picture of this lady's dead husband. Can you go find him? Cool. Thanks, Elliot. And uh, yeah. And at this point, we cut back to Dr. Terminus in the bar, uh, handing out medicine to various dumb town folk. Okay, so options were You Light Up My Life, which one uh, doesn't say... Oh, from You Light Up My Life. <laughs> Candle in the Water, Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loves Me. Uh, the Slipper and the Rose Waltz okay. uh, from The Slipper and the Rose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, someone's waiting for you, the rescuers. Really? Yeah. I, I've seen the rescuers a bunch of times. I have no fucking idea so what song that is or what it sounds come out like. Seventy-seven. So they put out Winnie the Pooh, Pete's Dragon, and the rescuers. Possibly. Also, hey, name a song from the rescuers. Someone's waiting for for you. <laughs> I was gonna say. R-E-S-C-U-E <laughs> Rescue Aid Society It did come out in 77 So they all came out in 77? Yes, but Winnie the Pooh, spoilers for that episode Is largely made out of stuff they already made Well, so. yes, but still, that's a pretty prolific year They must have been making bank in 77 uh, Did any of these make a lot of money, though? I don't fucking know, how would I know that? Anyway, Terminus is showing off And he's trying to explain to uh, Mickey Rooney how many degrees he has and he says he's got degrees from the moulin rouge in paris yeah he mentioned several places mm. um, and then he's like why do you think they call me doc because people sail their boats into me also that was a terrible contribution for me on that one like <laughs> yeah he mentioned the moulin rouge yeah there's other places he mentioned too i i saw that scene too you did <laughs> there anyway, were other places drunk dad that asks sucks. about a dragon yeah and then terminus is like you need a veterinarian and uh yep but then his little hoagie assistant guy also gets drunk and then they both go to see elliot's cave and then uh then we get kind of a like scooby-doo ass scene here of like they're they are nervous about it and they're worried the dragon's near them and they're describing like oh he's got big fangs and he's you know big and terrifying and then elliot is in the background like oh no what scary thing is here and uh oh i did write uh you've left me way behind because i got distracted exactly but there was a a uh, honest john line that i wrote down because i thought it was kind of funny when he got kind of pouty about the town and he wrote i don't want to cure anyone here they deserve to have whatever they have <laughs> Yeah. He is the best part of this movie. No, clearly. Well, actually, I like the hillbilly ass family, that, but then him. There is a time earlier in the notes where I wrote, man, the parts of this film without Pete in it are pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, But yeah, so the drunk dudes find the dragon and give the dragon some booze, and then he breathes more fire, and I thought that was pretty reminiscent of Evan Rude in The Rescuers, the little dragonfly guy, when they give him the moonshine. That's a scene that happens in a movie. <laughs> in The Rescuers? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, the first I only rescuers. know The Down Under. Well. I mean, I know that I've seen The Rescuers a few times, but I only know The Down Under. Anyway, uh, so they go in... Are we to the cave? We're they in go the cave. In, yeah, so we got any cave the, things. The, dr- <laughs> the drunk and the assistant, uh, what, Grinder, whatever his name was. Hoagie. <laughs> okay, same thing. Uh, 
anyway start talking about how scary the dragon is which scares the dragon and he's afraid of the of himself it turns out yes which that's is the comedy. thing i just described oh, <laughs> god damn it okay <laughs> great yep so then uh uh hoagie runs back and uh we see submarine his name is submarine footlong runs back <laughs> And Dr. Terminus is open like face, please. Mixing up his potions. And then he's sort of doing a thing here where he's like, was it two parts? Two parts, whatever? Or was it three parts? And then Hoagie runs up and is like, whoa, and is shaking both his hands at him. He's like, what? Oh, ten parts. No wonder they love it so much. <laughs> but now he knows about the dragon and he wants to get in on this business, is the point. And. So then Nora takes him to school. Yeah. Okay. So then Nora takes Pete to school. Right. But also, like, oh, as okay. we're walking up to school, like, the fishermen are complaining that there's no fish anymore and they're blaming the kid for that. Which, like, how the fuck would that be his fault? And also, do we ever explain why there are no more oh, fish at this point? Superstitious just ass thing fishermen, going on. like, just blaming shit. This ugly kid came to town and now we got nothing going for us. There you go. <clears throat> Anyway, so it takes him to school. He's an instant celebrity. Everyone here is like, hey, that's the kid with the dragon. Like, mm-hmm. it's a shame he's not any older than he is. He could have been getting all the girls. Oh, yeah, I wrote uh, all the fish have disappeared. I didn't remember that when you were saying it, but I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, that happens. It's uh, almost like it's not an important plot yeah, point. Then, then there's another song called Room for Everyone. Right. I, uh, yeah, because we want to kick him out of town. Then they were like, no, the song is there's room for everyone in this town. Because, like, I was writing down, I feel like we wrote this song first and then tried to shoehorn it into this plot. Because that's what we got going on. Yeah. The teacher doesn't want him, of course, but she finally agrees to take him. Well, she doesn't want him because he doesn't have any medical records or a birth certificate or any of that other stuff. And and Nora is like, no, it burned up when his house burned down. (laughs) And also City Hall burned down at the same time. It was quite a fire. And then she's like, quick, do some math, and that'll impress him. Oh, yeah, because on the way, this was kind of cute. On the way to the school, he... uh, he is trying to convince her that he doesn't really need to go to school, so he's showing her that he knows some multiplication facts and right. uh, some a few random things. Because see, I don't need to go to school because right. I know nine times nine is eighty-one. I like, guess the hillbillies taught him this. Yeah, God knows where, where he, he learned this. Info. this. Uh, yeah, so then he goes to school. Uh, Elliot starts playing with the bell outside the school. Right. This is total like. I brought my dog to school, kind of thing, and then we gotta hide him in the closet. Like, right. Because shit's going wrong, and he's got to pretend like everything's fine. And so he runs out and, like, tries to stop him ringing the bell and gets in trouble for it. And then the teacher, like, starts punishing him. Yeah, gives him the knuckle cracker and then the behind breaker. (laughs) It's a vicious combo. (laughs) The behind breaker. And a dunce cap, just for good measure. Like, she's giving him all the punishments. And then there's a dragon-shaped hole in the yeah, wall. Yeah, Elliot Kool-Aid mans himself in and out of the school building. Which I actually thought this was a pretty cute effect. Like, it looks very... Cart- like, I don't think I've seen this in a live-action thing, I guess. But don't you think it would have been more effective if we were sticking with the invisible thing? Right, like, if he was just always then invisible. Then there would have been some evidence that, like, oh, wow... Pete really does see a dragon. Like, you know, there really is something there. But even so, this isn't any evidence for Nora, who still doesn't believe that he is has a real dragon. Yeah, I mean, what kind of explanation does skeptical-ass Nora have for this dragon-shaped uh, <laughs> hole in the wall? I have no idea. Um, 
but he gets like kicked out of school or something and we go to another scene which is back with the villains and we get the rarely seen second villain song <laughs> which i can't name any other disney films where we get one of those but we sing money 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 by the pound because we want to catch the dragon and cut him up and sell him for parts basically yeah he offers to buy elliot mm-hmm uh, then I wrote, yeah, another song. You're right. Right. Uh, so then they go to the lighthouse to talk to Pete. Uh, right. They do. Because uh, I don't remember the scene. He wants his own dragon. They show up in the lighthouse. Pete won't sell, says he comes to those who need him. I do remember this because they're like, uh, he wants to sell it to him. Pete's like, I can't sell him. I don't own him. And he's like, well, what did you do? Rent him? <laughs> Which I thought was goofy. <laughs> And then we sing another stupid nonsense song. Uh, this would be Brazzle Dazzle Day. Yeah. There's son, like there's tons of nonsense Disney songs, and there's a reason you don't remember this one, because it's like they just crapped this one out like well, they did. I mean, you say that, but that's the one they sing at the end of the movie, too, that they bring back for the big uh, <laughs> conclusion of the film. Do they? So, I don't yeah, even yeah, remember Yeah, at the very part. end of the movie, they sing it again, Brazzle Dazzle Day, because I thought it was just Razzle Dazzle, but it's apparently Brazzle Dazzle. Right. Is that, Which that's doesn't not what roll people off say. the tongue. Like, people say Razzle Dazzle, I'm pretty sure, but it's a Brazzle Dazzle Day. Right. Uh, I feel like I made a, this point when we did Descendants, but I said I don't really care for a lot of musicals because they have like five really good songs and 12 shitty ones. <laughs> That is all and I'm thinking is, of watching this. is an this. example of that, because this movie has so many songs in it, and they're not memorable, most of them. Right. And then at this point, we get the hillbillies come back into the movie at like an hour and a half into it. I think there's a pretty big plot point that you skipped over where oh. Nora and Maurice, whatever his actual name is, invite Pete to stay with them, but Elliot has to stay in the cave. Like, this is kind of a big, he had been temporarily uh, staying with them. This is a, like, you can just live here. Like, right, it's a okay. kind of a big thing. It was understated before. Understated? <laughs> Understood by me. <laughs> okay. It was an understated thing. <laughs> it makes Unspoken? sense. Sure, oh. also that. Maybe. Anyway, so they outright say that he can live there and it's kind of a sweet moment for an orphan kid i'm pretty sure it's kind of a big deal never been an orphan before but i would imagine it's a pretty big deal this girl and her drunk dad will allow you to live with them in their lighthouse you might be on to something but not your dragon though because we don't serve their kind here you remember how we talked about this was a two hour and eight minute film yeah it is very long <laughs> if we cut it down to 80 minutes it could have been a lot of fun but I, when it was this i was losing sure. interest. i was still paying attention at this point but it uh it's fading fast right. the hillbillies come back yeah i like them they want the kid back and they're flashing their bill of sale which is probably well it sounds like an illegal thing but they have legal (laughs) paperwork of it so we gotta take this up to the courts but no we'll just have the dragon knock them all into the water and we'll take that as a as a settlement yeah pete's in the middle of town catching lobsters so while they might maybe out of fish they're not out of lobsters so that's uh (laughs) yeah okay maybe the town's doing all right Elliot's gone, of course, looking for his paw. Uh, Paul. Paul. Uh, let's see. Sir not appearing in this film. Well, he appears at the end, doesn't he? Yeah, but barely. Yeah, okay. That's the part where I quit paying attention, so it's hard to say. Uh, uh, Terminus what? meets up with the hillbillies to form an alliance, and he also enlists the angry fishermen, because they're the all going to go after that dragon. I think that we skipped over the hillbilly boys perving out over Nora. Uh, that's a thing. Um, sure. They're very excited about her. They argue over which one of them gets to chase her down. 
it's a thing. Anyway, there's another song uh, to prove ownership. John swindles the Gogans, wants Dragon, they want Pete. To recap, John is Terminus, the bad guy. Yeah, Honest John. Okay. Maurice. I've been calling the other guy Maurice. You had no problem with that. I don't remember what his name is. Okay, fine. Mickey Rooney. The dad. Lampy. That's what it was. Lampy? I wrote it down. That's not a name. No, that's his fucking name. The guy that lives in the lighthouse is named Lampy. Lampy. Yep. I'm aware. <laughs> Lampy, the lighthouse. Mm. Crazy old Maurice. Anything for a laugh. Right. We see Elliot again at this point, right? Are we in the cave? I don't remember uh, where They want happens. Pete quit paying attention. I guess Elliot did something good. <laughs> right. Elliot, Elliot found Paul. <laughs> did he? Nor, nor doesn't believe him gets mopey. I'm way ahead. <laughs> I think you are. Yeah, because that's a... Well, go ahead with what actually happened and we'll get... Well, my notes are not super helpful at this See, point. We I'm both assuming gave up at this I'm point. directed Watch the Nora. end of the movie yourself. We, we don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm directing this question at Nora because what I wrote was, Bitch, how have you not realized this is a real dragon yet? You just saw him wreck the hillbilly boat. See, I didn't see that because that's the... I guess he did a thing while I wasn't paying attention. Uh, why is this movie so long? Elliot's pissed and storming straight into the trap. So... We made it I to think the climax. Something happened before that, though, where he finds Paul, right? I guess. And well, he, that Pete, happens off screen, though. We don't like, right, we see don't that. We don't see it, but it, but Pete knows about it because Pete tells Nora, and Nora doesn't. Nora's like, "This that's isn't we, funny." That's A like, to B to C. There. Yeah, <laughs> Nora is not. She's mad that he would say this to her, right. like even though it's the truth. And Paul is out there. Yeah. <laughs> He's just had amnesia for a year. Spoilers. Is that what happened? That's what happens. Anyway, so doesn't believe him gets mopey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dead husband is sailing his way through the storm. That's Honest, what I wrote. Honest John tells Pete Elliot's destroying the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big storm, Paul trying to come home. So then we get our climax here is everything going wrong at once. Yeah, basically. Uh, Elliot storms into the trap in the like big warehouse they have this set up at. Um and also the lighthouse breaks because now Paul can't get back to the uh, shore safely. So now we got to get out of this and then we got to go relight the lighthouse. Yeah. And basically that happens. Terminus <laughs> tries to shoot him with a harpoon. Oh, we do a thing where we drop a big net on Pete and then Pete's suddenly like a real prop right, so underneath the net. So they catch Pete first to use him Elliot. as bait. Elliot, not Pete. No, they catch you Pete, Pete first and use sure. Elliot. No, stop. <laughs> They, Honest John tells Pete that El, they've that Elliot is wrecking the town. Pete goes to to find him to calm him down, but he's not really wrecking the town, and that's when the Gogans grab him. Right. Then Elliot comes to save Pete. Right. right? Yes. As bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Pete is bait, and then Elliot comes to to make the save. And then he, he does. gets a net dropped on him, and Elliot, yeah, the dragon. Yeah, when he's invisible, which is, what, again, what I thought would have been cool if he'd been invisible the whole movie, and not anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> between the two of us, one of us knows what happened at the end of this film. We've got okay. all the pieces. <laughs> Was it under understated? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a very understated ending. <laughs> Oh. Terminus shoots a harpoon, but doesn't realize that his foot is tangled. Yeah, and then, that happens. Yeah, and then it just becomes like a bunch of things going wrong together when it seems like we, the movie should be done already. Like, the bad guy is out of the picture, but then, like, 
a power line is going to fall over and Elliot has to save stop that from happening and then we got to go do the lighthouse thing. Right, the lighthouse goes out because there's a storm which would ostensibly be the time when you'd need the lighthouse the most. Exactly. Um, so that's a design flaw, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's when you would really need it to stay lit. You need like a generator for that thing or something. Yeah, <clears throat> a, fire a fire generator. <laughs> um <laughs> so then we get the actual ending is reuniting this dead husband and and Nora and like but I don't really understand when that subplot usurped the actual plot of Pete well, and no, Ellie because we didn't have a somebody wanted but so for this movie like it was just we had so many different storylines going on that neither one of them, you know, we were we were unfocused. We had no plan for what right. we were doing. At least it's the way it felt to me. And while we were trying to get this lighthouse lit, I was literally like, okay, this movie's about over. I can go to bed, right? So, like, I'm getting up and doing stuff. And, like, I'm pretty sure seven or eight minutes went by. And I walked by the TV again, and the lighthouse still wasn't lit. So I don't know why this took as long as it did, but... Uh, I- don't ask me. We finally get the lighthouse lit. Um, the movie refuses to end, and Paul gets to shore and explains to his wife that, yeah, he was in a shipwreck and got amnesia for a year, but then a dragon hit him on the head, and now he remembers her. So, that's... I'm pretty sure this dude was two-timing you, Nora, and he's just washed it back up with nowhere else to go at this point. But, sure. Was the... Uh- the amnesia thing was an actual plot point. Like, yes, he says I just that. watched this movie last night. I don't even remember the fact that he had amnesia. Like, it's a hundred percent. I think what I have amnesia about the last thirty minutes of this movie. Yeah, shipwrecked amnesia for a year. Oh well, that that sucks. But then he's like, I hit my head and suddenly I remembered you. I mean, really, Nora <laughs> is the worst, though. Like, I wouldn't blame him for you know I mean, being yeah. happier where he was. I mean, maybe she wasn't so bad before he ran away and got shipwrecked but she's been the worst the whole movie she won't let him have any fun she doesn't believe the dragon's real it's true she forced him to go to school yeah then we get the explanation because like now we're finally done pete has a new home with i guess a mom and dad now because yeah he couldn't just be raised by the his old paw. man like i said all along he went looking <laughs> for his paw Sure. His paw named Paul. He pronounces it weird. It sounds like paw most of the time when he says it. At this point, Elliot's like, which translates to. He says the whole movie. Translates to, I have to leave you. I must go now. My planet needs me. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, uh, it's like a guardian angel gets his wing kind of situation. Do you think the movie would have benefited from, uh, whatever you're about to say? (laughs) A narrator at the beginning, uh, perhaps saying, like, in times of trouble, it's good to have a friend. And one friend is this dragon named Elliot, I don't know, who goes and finds small children who need him the most. I I don't know. I can see that. Because the way it starts, like, we're just in the middle of some shit. Like, you got hillbillies and mud and singing and, like, what the hell is going on? Floating kid. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, just anything to give us sort of streamline this movie would help a lot a cut half of the songs uh it's too long as it is it's not focused which story is most important is the shipwrecked paul most important is the uh, kid finding a new home the most important right right no I'm, i'm with you on this and there's a lot of this film that is entertaining it's just not two hours of entertainment like we have a fun villain we have some good songs we have you know a really adorable animal mascot for this too and like we 
have enough here we just sort of bog it down with a bunch of other extra crap we talked about the having the dragon be invisible might be a way to like make it more magical right if you made it uh, like hook you know where he doesn't the other characters don't see him at first and have to learn to believe uh in magic or whatever to to see the dragon i don't know but i think the adorableness of Elliot is probably the biggest selling point of this movie so I don't know if you want to just have him be invisible for that much film time because like I think you lose a lot of what this does have going for it true you would need a stronger actor to play uh, Pete if you were going to do that yeah and really to play Nora too for that matter (laughs) right Uh, if you were going to do all that you don't need a stronger actor for the villain though he's Um, great well yeah or the hillbilly ass people those are those are fantastic too but I think uh, with the animation being the strongest point here, we can get into why the main reason I wanted to cover this film, uh, which has to do with where we are in the timeline of Disney, because like we've been in the budget conscious years for a little while now, but we are getting ready to fall off a cliff because, uh, you know, we've seen some hit and miss stuff already. Uh, you know, like Jungle Book was a big hit, but like, you know, Aristocats and Robin Hood, not so much. Yeah. Um, next up, we got... <clears throat> Winnie the Pooh, we've got The Rescuers, then we got Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, Oliver and Company. None of which are star fil- star no. making films. Of those, like, uh, Black Cauldron is at least them trying to try something different and new. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and, and we'll get to that, you know, we'll cover that when we get to it. But like the, the late 70s, early to mid 80s, we are in a desperate situation. And it's really like the new generation era of Disney here. We're like, we totally had big success in the past. We've lost it now. Our films are smaller. They're less ambitious. They're left, less memorable. And because of that, less successful. Where that's that might possibly become an issue is like, there are suddenly other animation companies incoming. And the reason I want to talk about that now is because the animation director for Pete's Dragon here is a man by the name of Don Bluth, who you might have heard of. Uh, he's been a Disney animator for a little bit, but he's getting ready to leave Disney and go start making his own films. Uh, films like The Secret of Nim, uh, An American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven. All of these films come out in the 80s when Disney is putting out a bunch of low-budget crap. So, like, uh, this seems like a good in times a good as a good as time a good of time as any is that what i want to say <laughs> as good a time as any seems like the best time <laughs> seems like the best time for us to maybe step out a bit uh and cover some of these bonus some of these other films of the era in a in a bonus capacity because like i don't like disney is sort of in a uh in a rough patch here and it might be nice to see like what else is going on in this era and so like this seems like the best launching point for that because we can see i think even with everything going on here we can we can agree the best part of this film is the dragon and elliot himself and uh he's the strongest character we got and i think a lot of that comes down to the animation that we have going on and it's nice to see the guy that was in charge of that what he's about to come out with next yeah, a series of movies uh, in the 80s done by <coughs> Mr. Bluth. Right. Of the ones I've listed, uh, how many of those are you are you fan of? Did you grow up with? All that kind of stuff. 
So Land Before Time. Uh, right. And uh, Fievel Goes West. Right, set him. Sequel. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw the original American Tale. Okay. That's probably it. I haven't seen Secret of Nim. I have. What else did you say? Mm, that might have been all. Okay. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> all dogs go to heaven. Uh, yeah. I don't remember much about it. Rock a doodle. <laughs> uh, if we watch All Dogs Go to Heaven, I'm insisting that we also watch Smokey and the Bandit because <laughs> okay. it bothers me that you haven't seen it. Sure. Just do multiple Burt Reynolds films. But right. So just do them in the same episode. <laughs> just go back and forth between the two. That won't be awkward. I was trying to look up the Rotten Tomatoes for Pete's Dragon, but the app wasn't working. It was only searching for actors named Pete's Dragon, which is none, of course. <laughs> no, that's not a... Uh, I don't know what the uh, <laughs> consensus on this one is, but from what I saw, it was like a boring version of trying to do Mary Poppins. Uh, 50. Right at 50. Audience yeah. score of 60. So That sounds about right. So I guess final thoughts while we're here. Um, I think we pretty much covered it. <laughs> Cut the shit down to 80 minutes and it might have been all right. But at two hours and eight, it's very hard to get through it with some shit ass songs. Right. Cut it down and pick a plot and stick to it. Right. Um, <clears throat> seems like we explored several different, not only plots, but like tones and ways we wanted to get through this movie. And then, you know, just we'll just do them all. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so as you mentioned, this is one of three films that came out in the same year for Disney, uh, and we'll be getting to those other two in just a minute, so we'll see what else they were capable of that year, I guess. What would you say is your favorite movie with a dragon in it? Uh, The Hobbit. I don't know. The animated Hobbit. I believe the year on that one might have also been 77. You want to review that? The greatest adventure is what lies ahead. Not at all Disney related. Have you ever but... seen the, uh, what is it? Is it called Dragon? Is it called Dragonheart? The movie with like, like Sean Connery? Yeah, talking I dragons and no. one of them Sean like Connery. The 90s, right? Yeah, no. haven't seen it. Also haven't seen that like Matthew McConaughey movie, Rain, where there's like dragons and he's mm. got to lead the, People, like no army people against the dragons i oh, think no I'm he's not like all right all right all right there's some dragons yeah i'm sure that's what he does I don't know what he to does. rally I, people i haven't seen it i suck as a person uh, so back to batman okay yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm with just you. fucking no. with you oh. i got nothing um i don't know any is i don't think there's any dragons uh in batman in dragons. Batman. killer croc oh that's not <laughs> this is the closest i got okay i'll allow it <laughs> Uh, anyway, thanks again for joining us, everybody, on this bonus episode, and uh, we'll see you again for the next Real Timeline one. If you have any other bonus episodes you want us to cover, uh, shoot us an email. We would love that. DudesWatchDisney at gmail.com. We might even take uh, requests. Who knows? Yeah, we're on all the social medias. Yeah. We're on Twitter only. <laughs> right. <laughs> but person, in our personal lives, we have other ones. <laughs> Back off of that statement immediately. But Twitter. Yeah, we're, we're on the Twitter. Dis at Disney Dudes PC. <laughs> PC stands for podcast. We got a YouTube page. We do. I've been trying to put more of our episodes on there, but also YouTube's a dickhead and it like doesn't want to work when you try to tell it to. So we'll see <laughs> if that continues you to happen. suck, YouTube. Exactly. Oh, uh, well, anyway, that's about all we got here today. So, so I'm Dustin. I'm Jake. We're the dudes. Yeah. Watch dudes. Disney. <laughs> yeah. Disney. Disney. 
thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to be talking about are Robin Hood and The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye! Bye!